Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three, two, one. All right, everybody. Welcome to the mole hole to the Gamekeeper Studio. And uh, we're, we've kind of, again, it's it's been uh, refurbished. And it's nice in here. Mm-hmm. It is a lot nicer than it was, that's for sure. If we could just get a little heat in here now. It'd be the thing it was 24 have. degrees this morning. It was cold. You know what? If I was a turkey, I would have gobbled, though. Mm-hmm. It had oh, that it was feel. One of those it had that feel. I mean, it just did. I walked outside and hell, I gobbled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, yesterday I was driving to work and I saw something I've never seen here. There were some snow geese in a pasture <laughs> on the way to. <laughs> and then as I got closer to town, a V of yeah. Canada geese came over and there were a couple of snow geese in there with them. You know how it is? Waterfowl season's over with. Here they come. Have you ever seen any snow geese around here? I mean, yeah. I hear them. I've I- actually heard a lot. Of, I heard uh, snow geese at my house, which is near the waterway, uh, in October. Well, we year. hear them frequently, yeah, but, but you, I don't you see never them. see a big group no. of them yeah. in a field. You can catch them up there uh, in the curve between here and Oklahoma. Y'all know where I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And that there seems like there's a natural flyway there where I've seen a lot of geese in the in the fields. There. It's different than driving through the Mississippi Delta and just yeah. seeing them all over Everybody. the place. Right, right, yeah. right, right. right. Have you ever eaten a snow goose? I have. Are they about like eating I, I can't say much about it. <laughs> you know, I, one morning we just absolutely tore them up, and I was so fired up. You know, I'm a, a meathead, so I was thinking about all the goose I was going to be eating for the next few years. Yeah. Oof. And then it, uh, I, it wasn't that exciting. Yeah, it wasn't as exciting. We had a lot of stews. You know? I, I've had it, and I thought it was great. Now, I've had it properly done. I don't know if I've had snow goose properly we, done. We uh, used the plucking machine at the mm-hmm. hunting camp and plucked them all out and covered them in some kind of seasoned salt and cooked, them in, them? A, cooked them in a smoker. They were good. fabulous. Now, I have had s- smoked goose is good, but I didn't. I wasn't smart enough to try to smoke mine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, I was, yeah. Speaking of all this good food, we've got these biscuits, and Jason Cleveland, our producer, brought in some homemade sorghum. Homemade syrup. Is this made from cane? Yeah, sugar cane. Sugar cane. So not the sorghum, but the sugar cane. Yeah, sugar cane. I tell you I, what, it has got it's uh, it's got a natural taste to it. It's really good. It's it's super uh, sweet, and it's it Mac noticed uh, that it's not as thick as it looks. Mm-hmm. It's perfect consistency. Yeah. It's really good. It's, it's really good. It's way better than that dark molasses. That's just a little too much. So me. how it's many perfect. pieces of cane does it take? To make that bottle right there, to make that quart jar, do you think? Uh, probably 
30, maybe. 30 pieces of cane. Yeah. It, it condenses down a lot. Yeah, and then you reduce it, don't you? Yeah. So you put it on the heat and then let it reduce. So y'all y'all spent all morning smashing cane? Yeah, we start about probably 7.30 in the morning and don't get done juicing to probably 10.30. And then it probably... We get At night or the three hours later? Three hours later. Oh, that ain't too bad. And then, <laughs> well, the, the, the most of the time is the cooking. The cooking takes all day. Yeah. And you've got this big old cauldron that that you put it in and it's it, uh my uncle it's a homemade uh cooker that he made that's it's like very a big cool. huge aluminum pan mm. that's awesome and do y'all do it with a propane stove or a wood yeah, burner stove propane, propane stove outside outside everybody gathers around the fire and watches it bubble yeah man i'd probably have a hangover the next day if that was my job well you should take <laughs> take some pictures and then and then uh and then uh, write down the recipe, and then in, in a future This is a secret family recipe. Don't let the secret out. Well, I was just trying to help our listeners. If there is, there is a so. secret ingredient that goes in there. It's, and we're not uh, going to talk about it. Oregano. <laughs> on, the jar, <laughs> on the jar, it has the C1. letters C-I. Hickory C-I. Hickory is where the town he's from. Okay. Yeah. Are we allowed to say what C-I stands for? Yeah. What What is it? Cleveland Ingenuity. Hey, uh-huh. Cleveland House. You know, pass that. Let me put a little bit more over here. A little, little dab. So little while dab. we're having this delicious uh, syrup, there's a jar that looks like a, a, a biology experiment that went bad that Lanny brought in here. I'm excited about this. What is this? This is canned deer meat. By, canned by our biologics' very own Christy Buckner. Okay. Well, it, you know, look, I have a lot of faith in her. But when I look at this, it kind of looks like when you go in the country store and they got a jar of pig brains or pig's feet. Quail eggs, you eat them all the time. It doesn't look like quail eggs. <laughs> this, this, it's, this is just different looking. It looks like Alpo, but it tastes like pot roast. Yeah. So Dudley's way more familiar with this than than I am, so he can go into the intricacies of it. But, you know, um, for me, it just you know, makes sense to be able to preserve meat in a way other than refrigerating. Now, I've never done it. My... Freezers are one of my biggest prides in my life. And if they were to go out, I would be in depression. So, now, uh, my, my trick, if, uh, well, this year would be an exception because I didn't get enough deer in the freezer. But yeah. if you have leftover deer, mm-hmm. uh, you can it. Yeah. And it works great. So, you're actually cooking it in the can when you're pressure canning it. Yeah. You use a big old pressure canner. Not like water boil method, like if you're making jelly. Yeah. It's got to have the pressure and the right amount of time. There's USDA, reg, not regulations, recommendations yeah. on exactly how to do it. Because um, you could hurt yourself. Yeah. Some people that think they can can something by putting it in their oven and, and crazy things like that, you can get botulism and die. Yeah, we don't want to do that. But if you follow the— We're trying to live that best life out here. We ain't trying to die with the best life. (laughs) If you follow the procedures, it's perfectly safe. I mean, it's no different than getting something canned from the grocery store. So how long will that be shelf-stable if I put it down in in low light in a very— I think the book will tell you one year, but four to five years, it works great. Mm Mm-hmm. Botulism. Botulism. That, Never that, had that, that but I do not want it. <laughs> yeah. You'll you'll Ooh. hear about it uh, in like 
incredibly rural areas where people don't really go by the book. They go by traditions. Right. And, and even then, it's very rare. It's just thanks a piece of that. Mm-hmm. So Christy has been with Biologic a long time. A long she kind of keeps the books and uh, keeps everybody stuff. in order for down here. And then uh, she killed a deer this year. Yeah. I think that's it right there in that jar. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Her, her husband hunts all the time. But I was real proud of her. For She would send pictures. She she went a half a dozen times. Yeah, they're into it. And it's interesting. I love talking to people about what they do. And that's how this jarred deer meat got here. Because I was like, what are you doing? Are you grinding, putting up? She actually um, goes more of the ready-to-eat method than I do. You know, So I put up in portion sizes. And then I have to cook. You know, when I'm ready to tell, well, she'll take and grinds up the majority of her deer and goes ahead and browns the meat and then would vacuum seal and uh, freeze it. And then this, you know, she's canning uh, the whole muscle cuts and putting those up. And so she'll take that and, you know, make um, deer meat over gravy or something like that. Just like Dudley's saying, I mean, you've had canned roast beef before, hadn't you? I think so. Yeah. It's not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. Oscar Meyer. And she did it in a quart. I like do it in little jelly jars, which I think is technically a half pint. Um, And, you know, you can have yourself a tailgate meal midday at at the hunting camp. Well, I mean, for a while you were eating them around here. You canned up a bunch a couple years ago, and at lunch you'd be walking around with a little mason jar eating out of it. Yeah. Yeah, Dudley Dudley does some bizarre stuff around here at lunch. I don't. I wouldn't call that bizarre. No, I think I think you're bizarre. Yeah. Okay. I mean, a man can only eat so many Hardee's cheeseburgers <laughs> without cheese. Without cheese. Let me get up. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, when I find something I like, I stick with it. Yeah, you. you I was thinking about that yesterday. Yeah, I think. How long like, has it been since you've been to Subway? No, I'm I'm back at Subway a, a little bit now. Are you? Yeah, you're they, dating them again? Well, they for a while they did away with the roast beef, but uh, so I tried their club without roast beef, and it was delicious. With, oh, really? Yeah, they put bacon on it. <laughs> even better. <laughs> even better. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Well, look, uh, this week's episode is brought to you by none other than Native Nurseries. A lot of cool stuff going on over there right now. And it's been an odd year because, Dudley, I mean, you can speak to this, but a lot of stuff is sold out because of COVID. People are planting trees and... I think everybody's working on their stuff, sounds like. so. But um, there's still some pockets of product, trees that that a guy can call. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of really good stuff available. So just just call me. Yeah. And, uh, so if they go to the website and they think something sold out, they could still call you and verify it. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about all that. Okay. Well, I yeah, hear I'm, you telling people that all the time on right. the phone. But, well, yeah. we'll try to find it. I mean, if you really got to find In, something. Inventory but. is up to date on the website. Um, one of the key things I try to tell folks is if it is sold out, there's a little box on that species page. And that you can click on, and it'll e- email you as soon as it's back in stock. Yeah, that's a great feature. And it's important to understand, like, we have more trees than we're making available on the website, but we only make available on the website the first quality trees that are ready to ship at that time. You know, so we do – that's why the email sign-up is so important because, mm-hmm. you know, as things – come shippable and and what we consider first quality is how we sleep this because it's not just like all the trees come in at one time and are perfectly ready to go we're really um really uh spend a lot of time with selection and making sure that the trees that are available on the website are first quality and, and ready to go out the door so just keep on checking back like daddy said sign up for the email he's getting ready to the whole crew's getting ready. We put some. Uh, we put a new uh, roof on the greenhouse last week. That was fun. That's always fun. You ought to see Dudley walking down a gutter. 
25 yeah. feet in the air. The so, man has got it. I wouldn't do it. Cody Bennett just walks on it like he's on the ground. But, yeah. you know, I'm I'm like getting on my knees sometimes. And I'm on the ground holding the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so they're going to – well, y'all start planting right, in the next month, I bet six you, weeks. Yeah, probably running soil now, if not next week. Yeah, so – and those trees will be available. Some of those trees will become available this fall. Um, yeah, our, our goal every year is to have a fully stocked inventory when we get back from the Labor Day holiday. Yeah. So mm-hmm. early September is is when we try to just completely fill the website with, with trees. Well, it's a fascinating little aspect of, of how that, that business runs. And the nursery is just – it's the quality of the trees is just – It's the only thing like it in the, in the it, country. It, it, it really is. Yeah. So yeah. I would encourage guys that are – that managing their property to go to native nurseries and check it out. And that feature that you mentioned is fantastic because if you're wanting something, you just you just type in your information and it'll, it'll let you know, know when it's available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the I best way that. to stay ahead of it. It really is. Mm-hmm. Nativenurseries.com. That's right. Without a E, N-A-T-I-V, nurseries. Yeah, I love that. It really is. So thank you, Dudley. Thank you for explaining yeah. that. So we today, appreciate you being here, Dudley. I'm always Every glad week. to be here. Yeah. <laughs> well, so today, here's what we got. Two things we're going to accomplish today. Hopefully, we'll have the first podcast that's under an hour for us. No, there's no off. way. We've already talked 30 minutes. <laughs> well, I do want to try to do that. I mean, that. There's, it's just not going to happen. So, uh, Why do you want to keep them so short? Well, I just want to experiment and see if people, more people would listen to a shorter one. You're ours, into this podcast. Ours thing. seem to be going long in my mind, but maybe not. So... Uh, so we're going to – you remember yet last week we talked about this big deadhead that was found in Ohio? Yeah, a big giant in Ohio, and everybody flocked to claim him. You remember all that? That's yeah, so the, so the young guy that found him, uh, Mac being the showrunner that he is. Mac, ran, Mac ran, in the house. Ran Mac, the Mac, guy down. Mac, we're going to talk to him. For <laughs> so he's while. a deadhead? Bro. What? Yeah, I don't know what that is. What do you think? <laughs> He found oh, a dead head. Oh, oh, okay. A dead dead head? I thought we were, yeah. yeah oh, Dudley was going to get reunited with some old tour buddies. <laughs> so you're referring to a dead deer's head. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That, that's what okay. was found. So, gotcha. Mac, thank you, Mac, for running that guy down. We're going to have him. And then last week we kind of started talking about uh, supplemental feeding. And it's that kind of brings up a lot of, of questions. That's right. I thought we would talk pros and cons of that to kind of finish out the show. Or, it's a good subject to talk about, you know, what to do it, when to do it, how to do it, the proper way to do it. And I think that's all up for discussion. Right. So, I know you have an opinion, Bob. I do have an opinion. And and so, Mike, you're texting me, and I can't read my text. What, what are you trying to tell me over here? He's got something to say. Yeah, just that <laughs> Jason Klein is in Sandusky uh, County, Ohio, which is northwestern region of the state uh and he's had this deer uh he thinks to be had that he hunted him for four to five years and when he found him he was eight years old and so he had permission to hunt about a seven acre piece of property and this deer would slowly come on him every now and then occasionally and he had him in gun range at one point just didn't have a good good enough shot from my understanding but It'll be interesting to talk to Jason. He's he seems like a really good guy and excited to hear from him. Well, I know the internet lit up when it you know a lot of people shared it and a lot of people. I, apparently, it's a pretty pretty uh, famous deer. Well known, that's well known. known. That's, that's the yeah, best way yeah. to put it. It sounds like there's a lot of seven acre tracks around there. <laughs> He's trying to get in on. I mean, <laughs> good grief! We've all seen a lot of big photo, a lot of photos of big deer. Yeah, um, this one stands out for some He's a reason. Giant. It's not the highest scoring deer ever. 
But in my mind, when I look at that photo, that is the biggest set of antlers I've ever seen in my life. It's like the Hartford elk. Dun, dun, dun. We got a. We need one of those little. I mean, it, we need a trumpet. It's ba- I mean, it's a typical. T- <laughs> typical. There he is when he comes out. When it does that, you know he's a shooter. Yeah. <laughs> when those horns play. I mean, it's it's really an eight point with just little big stuff going everywhere. He's a gigantic yeah. eight point. A gigantor deer. <laughs> yeah. So let's do this, Mac. He's just an where, eight, Bobby. Everybody's. Where's Hercules? Him. Hercules is still at the taxidermist. But he is ready. I thought he was moving in. Well, I'm gonna go get him at some point. <laughs> you know, I need to. I, I need to send a I, check with you. Well, I, yeah, I've got to come up with some money myself. <laughs> get him out of hock. These house projects get away. This tax uh, uh, projects, uh, don't they? Yes, I probably shouldn't have said that on right on the whatever we're on. My wife might be listening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you gonna have to flip some cushions over. I tell you what, tax don't worry, your wife's not listening to this. <laughs> I've spent more on taxidermy through the years than I care to. Well, but I love it. I, I think when you kill a big deer, that's just what you're supposed to do with him. Ah, uh, man, it, give him honor. You know, you love being outside, and it's cool. You know, growing up, laying on my dad's couch, there's an elk and mule deer, and you know, yeah, I think I was like in the Jungle Book when I you know, go in his den and stuff. So, and obviously, this place is full of it. So, mm-hmm. it is. So, Mac, why don't you? Uh, I didn't mean to scare you, Mac. You jumped there. With, <laughs> why don't you uh, read a commercial, and uh, in the in the then. Jason and I will work on getting I like them. Max commercials because we can stop him in the middle of it and talk about what he's talking about. Yeah, we can. Y'all might like it. But what, what, are we, what are we? We got a commercial coming? Yeah, so last week we talked about Clover Plus and non-tip for our northern guys, and this week we're going to talk about spring protein peas for our southerners as well as our northern Midwest guys. Uh, 34 pounds, plants, an acre. Uh, they go really well in all types of soil, uh, even in lower pH and uh, less fertile ground. Uh, they're super tolerable to heat and humidity, which is really good. You can plant them in a little smaller of an acre than you can your traditional ag crop. So I yeah. think that makes it. Super I think it's a little good. bit easier than soybeans. You know, oh, this yeah. is a great alternative to people that want to get a high protein source out in the field. And soybeans are intimidating. I mean, for me, you know. So I know we've got some great soybean products, but for the guy getting started out wanting to get his first spring food plot going. I mean, this is can't the one. You can't beat it. Yeah. You just can't beat it. And especially if you've got easy to grow. What's What's really good with these? If If you're like in the deep south and you've got pine plantations with a narrow plot or yeah. a loading mm-hmm. deck or something like that, these protein peas are perfect for that. Yeah, get them on in there. I mean, because you know we all know that more high protein food sources out there, the more these uh, white tails are going to express their genetic potential. Yeah, and and I like the I like peas. Yeah, they have kind of more, a more primitive background uh-huh. than soybeans, and so they uh, you know a lot of them are from Africa and places like that, and and they can tolerate more stress. How long have we had these things out? A couple of years now? Yeah, I think this will be the fourth year. Oh, excuse me. Man, time goes fast. It flies When you're gamekeeping. Unless you're doing time is what I've been hurt. No. I've been told. Right? Hey, we know time you've never done any time. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have to stay after school. So. Yeah. <laughs> Another good thing about them is you Oh, sorry, Mac. No. We broke up his commercial again. <laughs> it's all right. Go ahead, Mac. Yeah. Oh, another, what are we talking about? I like it. Uh, uh, another, another one of the benefits to it is you can use a grass-specific herbicide. So ah, spray them. We Keep them the weeds out. out. Absolutely. I mean, we fight a bunch of weeds and have a good food plot. You gotta, you gotta spray them and have a good herbicide mm. to put on there. And, and those iron clay peas, I mean, do really well, and they they jump and it keeps your deer hitting your food plots, you know, in your spring and summer months, and, and keeps them fed, especially when their antler growth is, you know, really important. 
Cool. And I'd like to add it. It fixes nitrogen for your next crop. Legume. Took yep. the words out of my mouth. Legume. Really? There you go. Damn, we're just messing Max yep. Marshall up. That's all, all I right. got. Yeah, that, well, you did well. I you love peas. Is, I had, is did, your mother? I'm sorry. Man. I'm sorry. No, all right, go ahead. No, you, what, go ahead. you were talking about his mama. I want yeah. to hear what you had to say. Well, is your mother listening to the podcast? She is. Would you say hello to her, please? Hey, mama. All right. Oh, that's hey, awesome. Go. You got to take care of your mama. You sure do. All right. Well, uh, before we get him, did you have something you wanted to add to the conversation? Nah, I just, you, you know. got the, it already. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> something, something about peas and legumes. And, mm. yeah. uh, right. You know, there's a, a canned bean at the store. It's these little bitty red, excuse me, peas, little canned red yeah. peas at the store that has the green beans in there. Yeah. Those are iron and clay peas. Ah, I thought they were little miniature black-eyed peas, but that's what they are. I've eaten a lot of those. They're they're cow peas. They're the yeah. same genus and species, uh, but that is specifically iron and clay peas. Plant protein's good for you. Yeah, it is. All right, so why don't we move off of this and let's let's uh, let's get Jason on the phone and see if we can talk to him a little We're bit. Talking so, to the deadhead, bro. Yeah. All right. All right. Who's got the number? Jay, are you connect? Are you connected? Huh? Calling? Huh? Are you You know, while we're doing this, I wanted to ask you guys: uh, Who are y'all rooting for in the Super Bowl? What's the Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> it's Tampa Bay and somebody. I thought it was turkey season, Tampa not football Bay. season yeah. coming up. <laughs> you know, whenever Lanny calls somebody for the show, somebody always calls him, and I always assumed it was your bookie calling. But the fact that you don't know who's in the Super Bowl tells me it's probably in your bookie calling. Yeah, you know, yeah, not not. I don't. I'm not real good at the team sports thing. Mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to put it. But I do keep up with it a little bit. You know. So who do you think is going to win, Bobby? Who are you rooting for in the big game? I'm kind of pulling for Tampa Bay and Brady. Brady. You know, he's an older kind of guys. Ah, there's a, I have a lot in common with Brady. That's what it was. <laughs> he eats at Hardy's a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know he loves it. He loves a cheeseburger with no cheese. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. No, man. Well, let's get Jason on the phone. Okay, let's, let's, let's let me see if I can work my phone here and we'll get it. Well, Here we go. Jason's his name. Yeah. Well, Mike, you, you, uh, Jason. Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's going good. This is Bobby Cole and Lanny Wallace. What up, Jason? Doing good, man. Yeah, yeah. And we've got Mac. I think you've talked to Mac and Jason Cleveland's here. So we're, anyway, we're with the Gamekeepers, the game at Mossy Oak Gamekeepers. We've got a magazine, a TV show, and we just love white-tailed deer. We like him deer. And we, uh, <laughs> gosh, we started hearing about your story a couple weeks ago and, it just, we just, uh, we were kind of fascinated by it. And, uh, I just luckily Mac chased you down. Uh, and Mac may have spawned a new career for himself by being able to run you down like this. But we just wanted to ask you a few questions, get you to tell your story yeah, about your deer. Story about, the, about what's his okay, name? Okay, man. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you hadn't told this story Herman. many times yet. Herman. So. Herman. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Plenty, plenty of times for sure. Are we going, you're just going, we're going to go roll. Roll right into it. Yeah, well, I guess so. Uh, so uh, what's the easiest way to do so Let me introduce you a little bit first, uh, Jason. Uh, forgive me for not doing this, but it's Jason Klein, right? And you're from Sandusky, Ohio? Uh, I'm Well, Sandusky County, Ohio, yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I don't know where that is. I know where Ohio is. And Chris Paradise <laughs> lives up there. Yeah, Paradise is yeah, up there. It's, it's in northwest Ohio, the closest, I guess. Fairly sized town is Fremont, Ohio. Would be where I'm at. Oh yeah, yeah Fremont. Yeah, I know right where that is. So, but uh, so Chris is on the northeast side of the state, though, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, so. 
He's right outside of Akron. Is that right? No. Cleveland. Cleveland. We flew into Cleveland. We flew over that big lake. What's it called? Yeah, yeah. Lake Superior? Lake Erie. Yeah, lake Erie. Like, yeah, yeah. We flew <laughs> right over that and landed right there by the side of the lake. That mm-hmm. was pretty, pretty neat. But we're getting off subject here, Jason. We I'm tend sorry. to do that, Jason. I don't know. That. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> yeah, so, so look, uh, you, did you obviously you had some history with this deer. Could you kind of tell the story? Right. So, I mean, this deer obviously lived on this, this property that doesn't allow hunting. However, I'm allowed to hunt a small portion of a different property that borders it. Um, so I was been aware of this deer for, I mean, he was a huge typical at four years old, like just a monster mainframe, you know, nine point typical for, for quite a few years. And then we figure on about the, uh, his seventh and eighth years when he threw the drop times and the kickers and the flyers and he turned into the, you know, the crazy deer that, that we have now. Um, obviously I hunted him, uh, as hard as I could. I mean, I obviously wish and I would, you always wish you would have tried harder or done this or done that. Now that he's uh, no, no longer with us. But, uh, you know, last year I came, I came real close last year. I had him, I bought some cell cameras last year to put up essentially for that deer. And, uh, I had it set to send me pictures to my phone every day at two o'clock when I got off work. And the second day of gun season, my, my phone goes off and I check my pictures and he had been in the area of my tree stand like three times that day. He was, he was following a little doe around is what he was doing. And I was like, the last time he was there was one o'clock. And I'm like, holy smokes, like he's right there. You know, so ran home quick, grabbed all my stuff, got out to the woods. And I told myself, man, I better be careful walking in here. Yeah. He, he's right here somewhere. He didn't, he didn't go far. And I went, I go around this corner of this ravine and, and there he was standing about 80, 90 yards away in the woods, just broadside staring at me, you know, obviously kind of caught me off guard and, um, I, I couldn't shoot him cause there were some trees and stuff in the way. I didn't, I didn't want to wound him. And, uh, he was standing like, he, I couldn't tell if he was on my property, the neighbor's property line. There's no fence that runs through the woods there and it's all broken down on the ground. You can't really see it. And I couldn't tell if he's on my side of the fence, the other side of the fence. I didn't have a real good shot. I didn't want to wound him. So we had this little standoff, which what seemed like forever. And then eventually I just turned, he just turned and trotted up the hill away. And that was the only time that I think I actually saw him physically hunting. I mean, I had trail cam pictures of him different times, even during the daytime. He just would be there and I wouldn't be there. So last year was a bit, uh, a bit frustrating, obviously, with being so close to getting shot at him and I couldn't. So that was, that was frustrating. And then this year rolled around and, uh, he was just as big, if not bigger. Um, and then about hmm, like middle of October ish, late October ish, you know, there's obviously several of us hunting in the men. Everybody was watching him from the road. He was very visible. You could see him, you know, most evenings if you drove around the block, you'd see him out in this big field. And he just kind of disappeared in uh, the middle of October, and we all got super concerned because he was he was really visible. Like, you would see him almost every day if you went looking for him. And when he just disappeared uh, like that and didn't show up for like three or four days, we kind of all knew that, that something was bad. So we think he, he disappeared and probably died sometime there, probably before November 1st is what we figure. So Wow. Hmm. Yeah, that's wild. And it is wild. So you think the deer is nine years old? He's at least eight, uh, mm-hmm. from what we can tell from trail cam pictures and watching him and everybody talking. We all agree that he's at least eight years old, probably older. I did, I did send his teeth out to a lab in Montana, but I won't have uh, that back for a couple months yet. To What's that called? Find carbon? Out exactly how old he is. Carbon process. That's the uh, momentum, yeah. momentum aging. I think is what they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got sheds from him for the last couple of years too, don't you? So I have the sheds from two years ago uh, when he was a big, when he was a big frame typical. Um, he was like a hundred and 190 inches deer uh, that grief. year based. Yeah. Based <laughs> on it's a, it's a nine point, it's a nine point typical shed. 
and I, you know, I did my best to figure out the spread and everything, but he was easily in the one nineties. And then as a last point. year, yeah, as a nine point last year, he threw a uh, double drop times and a, and a flyer off the one side and the neighbor kid lives across the road, uh, actually found those sheds across the road and, and him and I have a cool little relationship. Like we compared the shed antlers and we've taken pictures with them together, but those sheds were in the two hundreds, um, mm. with the drop times and the flyers and all that. And then this year, obviously, you know, I, I found him dead and, uh, I had a Boone and Crockett score come and he was two forty one uh, with everything he had this year. Wow. So, and was he dead on the seven acres you had permission to be on? Yeah. So the big, the big property that I cannot hunt, uh, the farmer has always allowed me to go look for shed antlers. Um, uh-huh. We've always had that relationship for yeah. a long time. So when I was done hunting this year and, you know, last Sunday or two Sundays ago, I forget now, but time's been kind of crazy lately. I just, I told, uh, I'm like, I'm going to go start looking for shed antlers. I don't usually look this soon, but I had a feeling that deer was dead. I kind of had a feeling where I thought I would find him because I've shed hunted that woods all these years. And I'm like, man, where would a, where would a big deer go to die? Like if this deer is uh-huh. dead, where's he at? And I, I figured he'd be back in this Creek bottom. that's kind of secluded and thick. And I, I found him within 30 seconds of looking for him. I mean, he wow. was literally right where I thought he was going to be. Uh, yeah. That had to best tear you up. Yeah. Me. To have so much history, uh, history with something yeah. like that. And then your, your intuition kicked in and you just walked you right to it. Was, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It was, it was, it was weird. I just come up over the hill and I, I could see, I saw a set of antlers there and I'm like, oh, holy crap. Like that's him. Like it just took me totally off guard. Cause I, he was, I found him so easily. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I just kind of stood there and walked around and I, I took some pictures and video cause I knew I was going to have to call the division of wildlife and, you know, it was a big deer with a lot of history and stuff. So I knew they were going to have to come out. So I took pictures and videos of everything, you know, and waited for them to get out there before I, you know, boost anything or touched anything. That's, sure. a, like That's a pretty crime, serious. Like we messed up. Saying. We just <laughs> towed him in the truck. Look. <laughs> yeah. So does that does that area right there? Does it have a history of producing really big deer and does it, uh, drop times and that sort of thing? Yeah, or, th- or is he a freak? Yeah. Uh, he was kind of a freak. Um, I've I grew up there, uh, so I've been around that that woods for a long time. And talking to the farmer that owns the property, there's there's never been a deer like that. We've there's been a couple of deer that have had a drop time, but nothing nothing like that. Typically, that property holds big, humongous, giant, like, typicals. Big eight points is kind of like uh, the thing out there. I would say that's the genetics is the big typical. So why why he went all crazy, I, I don't really know. But if you look at the score sheet and you figure out the eight-point frame, it was 188 inches. It's just an eight-point. So that's that's what's so general. striking to him about what Dudley was saying earlier. This is what's wow. so striking about him. Yeah, it, I mean, a daggum nine point is two hundred freaking inches. I mean, he may freak. not be mm-hmm. the highest scoring deer, but to me, most impressive. Like visually, yeah. the most impressive buck I've ever seen. It's like when he walks I mean, out; those horns play. You know what I mean? So, are you seeing yeah, any? Go ahead, Jace. Yeah, he, yeah. He's. I guess the thing that's really cool about that deer is like it literally has everything. He has width. He has mass. He has high length. He's got a huge frame. He's got drop times. He's got kickers. He's got flyers. He's got circumference. I mean, like everything you could possibly want in one deer rack. Like this deer has it. That's what makes him so cool. Yeah. So are you are you seeing any uh, younger deer that are coming along? Yeah, we hope he has some babies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do have a I do I do have a shed antler from previously, probably seven eight years ago, that does have a, a fairly decent drop time coming off the the one G two, just like this deer does. Um, I haven't seen anything, uh, you know, since I've seen him, anything similar at all yet. 
but uh, I'm sure, you know, he lived back there his whole life. So the genetics are there somewhere. I have yeah. to wait to see if they pop out. <laughs> is there uh the farmers, what's he farming? Was it soybeans, corn? I mean, it's in corn, my just, mind when I say this, this is a giant ag field. I don't know if it is or not, but yeah. it looks like in my mind. Yeah. He, yeah. Up here in Northwest Ohio, it, it's like small square blocks of woods and it's mostly corn, corn and beans. It's probably 75% field, 25% wood. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's got a, he's got a smorgasbord, you know, and he's got everything he needs to grow humongous. <laughs> so yeah. you were seeing him in soybeans in the summertime and yeah. that, that's where he was so visible, I would guess. So if he was that visible, I, it had to be driving people crazy in that part of the world. Were, were, were y'all having, were people, Riding were having by. people I know poaching or trying to slip in? Was that kind of stuff going on? Not, not too bad. I think, you know, he lived, the block is really big. So when he was out in the fields, most of the time, he was, he was far enough away for the most part to, to be safe. And, uh, I think the deer became so popular and so unique that he almost became unpoachable, if that makes any sense. Cause yeah. nobody could have, nobody could have shot him and tried to play it off that they right. shot him somewhere else or they had permission or whatever. So his, his fame of being visible to everyone that everyone knew him, it kind of in a way protected him. Cause I think people knew like, I, what am I going to do with this thing? And if I did shoot it, I couldn't, right. you know, nobody would, I couldn't play it off, but I actually killed this thing legally. So yeah, he, he was kind of protected by his own fame. If that kind of makes any sense, but it did drive people nuts. They would drive around the block and they'd be like, how has no one killed this deer? This deer's out in this field, you know, every single day. And he's humongous. Like how has no one killed him? Like, oh, he's just, he's just safe where he's at. He's, he's in know, the right spot. That's right. Mm. <laughs> right. Such right. A neat and story. he just kind of, I don't know why he got that attitude. Like as a typical, I would see him every once in a while, but when he got the last two years, he just, he was like, I don't care. I'm going to stand out here in the middle of this field all day for everybody to see. It was just mm-hmm. kind of his attitude. Look at this drop time. <laughs> I got to show this thing off. <laughs> well, well, Jason, one of the guys that works here at our company, he doesn't actually, he, he works for Moss Yoke, uh, has a long time. He lives in Ohio. And when I asked him, I said, hey, have you heard about it? He knew all about it. Yeah. And and uh, yeah. he had actually seen the deer on the hoof. Yeah, he told yeah. me. I think so. He was one of the guys that parked on the side of the road, down the road so him out. It was on the way to his duck club. I uh-huh. think is what was the story. Okay. But but he he yeah. he said the road would be just lined with trucks and guys just lusting on this this deer. Yeah, yeah. It was he he stayed fairly hidden until last year. The problem was we had a really bad spring and the farmer didn't get a lot of crops in. So usually there's a lot of standing corn, which kind of blocks a lot yeah. of the visibility. But last year there wasn't many. I don't know if there's any corn up last year at all that actually made it up. So he was just super visible, you know, and there's a state route that runs, you know, right by there. So, you know, he kind of became out for everybody to see. How big is the uh, farm that doesn't get hunted? Uh, It's hundreds of acres. I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't tell you between the fields and the woods and all that. It's probably about a, he probably stayed in about a two to three mile by two to three mile block area, I guess, yeah. you know, the roads, the roads that run around it. He would, he would go across the road from time to time. I mean, he, he definitely dodged a lot of cars and dodged a fair amount of hunters, you know, over the last eight or 10 years. Yeah. I bet so. Wow. I love hearing like the ranges and how, you know, how yeah. far they go and, and what his sanctuary was. Cause I mean, he obviously, you know, we'll talk about sanctuaries at some point on the podcast, but he had one, you know, oh, that's yeah. how he and, got and that he big knew it, yeah. and he knew it. Yeah. He's yeah. Smart it's enough just to know fascinating it that he defied the odds and made it to this age. Yeah. You it know, really is. It's just a cool story. It's a great story. Yeah. Great deer. Yeah. Unbelievable deer. Well, well, Jason, thank you for being on. Is there anything we're missing that you'd like to add that's interesting about this deer? You know, not I mean, not necessarily. I would I would encourage people to check out the Outdoor Life article that was written uh, about a week or so back. It was really good. It kind of explains the whole story and a little more, you know, a lot more detail. And they did a really good job with that. So that would probably answer any questions that uh, that anybody had. Yeah, I would think. 
Yeah, that sounds good. Lanny, it looks like you've got a question. Yeah, I, I was just wondering if you needed a partner on that seven acres. You know, I've got some time got some time yeah. coming up. Look, you know, I could work out something. I've yeah. got a good flathead fishing spot down here. We could work yeah. something out. And that was, that was part of the frustrating part was I only had this little this little acreage to, to work with. You know, I couldn't make a move on them. I couldn't really do a whole lot. And that was frustrating. So, I man, bet I, so. I could kill this deer if I could just get to him, you know. So. Like I said, the, the, the invitation's always open if you need a partner up there, buddy. <laughs> I wouldn't do it, Jason. Speaking from experience, I would not do that. Right. So, well, look, we appreciate you being on, Jason, and uh, Mac will be back in touch. We're going to send you some uh, a little care package for, for taking time to oh, be Mac, with us Mac, today. take care of them, folks. Okay. That sounds great. Thank you. Yeah, All right, thanks buddy. for being on with us, man. Thanks so much, and congratulations. Jason. I mean, you know, I hate to say congratulate, but I mean, it's like, that's a deer of a lifetime, no matter how you put your hands on it. So it's really cool to have one of my most prized possessions. Is a, is a set of shed antlers, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just as important to me. So, congratulations. Hey, I was just glad we were able to, to at least yeah. find him at some point. He just didn't disappear into oblivion. And honor him <laughs> is the best way to put it. I know yeah, what we a, were talking about that earlier. What a story it would have been if he'd have just disappeared because it, it would have been a legend. He'd have been the ghost. That's right. The monarch. Yeah, yeah he w- Yeah, for sure. There's, well, he still there's is. probably a lot of rumors. That's the biggest daggum eight there. point I've ever seen. That's mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right man well you take care up there and if you if you uh okay. if you get another big deer we'd love to talk to you about him so yeah. maybe in the future you can we can have you back on okay i'd appreciate it. that'd be great have a great day jason thanks, thanks buddy jason. you guys too thank you right. wow a 200 inch eight nine whatever it is that's just crazy it's a big deer and and like you said it i mean he didn't kill that deer no but i i you know, you still congratulated. Yeah, him. he I mean, had a personal relationship it's, with it's it. It's an know? awesome story. It's something to be proud of. Yeah. Well, let me ask you all this because I know what my answer would have uh-huh. been. Had you had him at 80 or 90 yards and he may or may not have been on your side of the fence, you couldn't tell, what would you have done? You know, it's so funny. I was going to bring that up about the fence. You know, it just seems like they're always, those big deer are always in those, they just have this magical sense and force about him so i know you'd have shot at him <laughs> I, I just i don't think you can say what you yeah, do unless you, you were in the in situation the you know I've, yeah. I've watched deer walk away and then two feel, seconds later i'm like what was i thinking why you know why wasn't i shooting sure but yeah. well the fact that he was that he didn't shoot because he wasn't sure if he was on the well, like, and you've had That's, those, you walk around the corner and you have a standoff with a deer. This deer obviously saw him and they were looking at each other. So, you know, that is a low percentage shot no matter where you are. If you're, even with a gun, you know, you're at the side and there's a deer and y'all having the eyeball stare contest and you go to move and he goes to move. That's a, that's a tough shot. So mm-hmm. yeah. now, you know, no, I, look, I, I didn't, I, I, I didn't think about that. Yeah. I was just, it, it I was just thinking about, he said he didn't, in my mind's eye, I heard him say, I didn't shoot because I wasn't sure if he was on my side of the fence. Or the and I don't th- he said there was some woods in the way and he didn't have a good shot. It's probably one of those things where he probably thinks he had a shot and maybe he didn't. I'm not going to put words in his mouth. Yeah. So. I th- it sounds like he made the right decision. He made the right decision, I think, 100%. If there's ever, I'm trying to tell that to Hayden, if there's ever a question yeah, about I, being uncomfortable in any way, shape, or form, whether anything about it, you don't do it. That's right. I mean, that's, that's what, exactly right. You, that's a good point. You just don't do it. Lesson 
And even, well, you know, I don't know about that, <laughs> but uh, you just don't do it. And it's an honor. It's an honor for the tradition. It's an honor for the sport, and it's an honor for the animal. Yeah, and the landowners. You're right. You know, uh, it's always funny. We talk about it all the time. It seems like I'm always on the fence somewhere, you know, but uh, you got to be real conscious of that. So, yeah. Well, that was interesting. Mike, thank you for, for getting him. And uh, before we move on a little bit further, we didn't talk about blood on the biologic. There were quite a few deer. And I'm going to start off. That, there's with, a little hair on the biologic, too. Yeah. Oh, do tell. Yeah, well, please, do tell. Well, we'll, we'll get into that after the blood. You don't go to okay. success. Well, right? yeah. Well, on the on the blood side, the climb to where On the board, yeah, huh? Go, oh, Charlie boy. Yeah. I think it was a 10-point, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Well, good for him. It's yeah, it was deer. great deer. Great deer. And then, you, you know, you've heard me talk about Jay Collett through the years. Yeah, yeah. One of your buddies from Montgomery. He's, his son, Hall. Killed his first buck this past week. Nice. So that was a it was a really cool hunt for them. And then my nephew Cole Spigner, you remember me? Oh telling? yeah. Yeah. He had a pretty interesting story. He had his his two sons. Hudson killed a deer a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. We talked about it. Well, they were all in the in the shooting house and hoping to get Hudson another deer. It got too dark to see to shoot uh, for Hudson. Right. You know? And Hudson had been wanting to blow the grunt call all afternoon. Cole, yeah. Cole wouldn't let yeah. him. So. <laughs> Cole said, while he was packing up, all stuff, he said, go ahead and blow the grunt call. So, so Hudson starts blowing it, and Cole looks up, and this buck comes running out of the woods. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked. So he ends up shooting a deer. Yeah. Hudson gets a little upset with him. Yeah, I bet so. Dad, what's up? <laughs> yeah. So, Must have been uh, a good one. Yeah, it was a good one. So, yeah. so I was proud of him. That was that was awesome. Well, he can say he called his dad in a yeah. deer. Like yeah, I think that's what Hudson said. Yeah. He called Thank yeah. So, yeah, I don't and, think Hayden would be that nice. He'd be like, you shot my deer, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> well, it made me think of you because he had a he has he's got another son named Hayes yeah and he was in the blind so he's like Hayes put your fingers in your ears and Hayes was like why and so yeah. he was having to do all this to, you know to try to shoot right at dark but it was like turkey hunting with Hayden <laughs> but then I'd also uh, speaking of while we're in Ohio um, I was on a Zoom call yesterday and saw that Dave Nebraska had killed a really big deer. Did he? In Ohio. But what was more impressive, he was holding up some sheds from a deer he just found, I think, this past week that was as impressive a set of antlers as you'll ever see. It was, it was a set of sheds. Oh, Dave up there in the honey hole. You know, he doesn't talk about that much. Maybe, no, he doesn't. Maybe he's being a little low-key and we need to. He's actually very low-key about that, I imagine. Yeah, but it was a heck of a deer. Maybe it's a different animal up there. I mean, you know, you've heard me say that before. Golly, they just get big up there. And it, I think it can be a little more competitive up there, too. Yeah. Smaller just, tracks, a lot of people. Yeah, just like our buddy Jason that we just talked to. Mm-hmm. More visible. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you, you can't drive around in the south and just see a bunch of deer. You I can't see the, 100 yards unless it's a clear cut or a, you know, I big, mean, field. big field. And. You know, I, you know, we always say this: I, I, a giant deer in a field next to a state highway in the south. I think they shoot shotguns in Ohio. Somebody would have broke out the big, big feet of cow or you know, something well, down he, here. He was talking about the deer was too popular to be able to be nah, poached. Yeah. Down here, somebody would have taken Yeah, him. somebody would have tried. <laughs> now, now, I killed him over yonder. Send it. Yeah. <laughs> they, they it would have got tried. Yeah. I have no doubt in my mind. <laughs> it made it come up with some really off-the-wall yeah. story about yeah. where they killed it. Lord have uh, mercy. God bless the South. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's good. Blood on bio- Yeah, a little hair on the biologic. Yeah, who was that? Our own chef, Vandy Stubbs. That's right. I remember yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think he got a little blood on the biologic, but he just didn't. I think he's had that a couple times. 
Yeah. What do you think's going on? As someone who shoots a lot and and understands, you know, wounding animals, I brought them back. I, I brought it back to the house. That's the difference. You know, mine is in the freezer. Yeah. It might have took seven times. Yeah. But but what do you think Vandy's doing? Is there anything well, he, we can help him with? I think he already knows what he did wrong. Yeah. In case you noticed, he pulled out that old rusty 270. Uh, he's been shooting that 300 blackout with the subsonic ammo. Mm. And uh, I think it came back to bite him. He needs to get that old browning out. Yeah. 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 And then he missed one with a bow, too. Did he really? Oh, yeah. He ain't been talking much, you notice. Huh. huh. But he, you know, the good thing is we do have a little redemption. Dudley, you and I and Bobby, we all have a chance. We got what ten days left in Alabama. Oh yeah, I don't think it's even ten days. Is it in on the tenth? It does. So winding on down in the south. Yeah, it is. I love it, and I, I like to see it. I, I love to see it open, and I love the whole process. But when it closes, man, it's like my mind just catches it just another shifts. gear. Yeah, yeah, it just completely shifts. So I'm going to shift your minds a little bit, but Ooh. but while you're here at this juncture where we are, the early part of February, Mother Nature is one tough mother no right, question. right now. So, I mean, what I'm seeing in the woods, uh, these deer are hungry. Absolutely. And uh, they're, they're slaves to their stomachs right now. They're trying to find the, the acorns, Dudley, the, a lot of them are gone, mm-hmm. especially if you got pigs. If you got pigs, all your acorns are and, gone. And so this is the time of year as a gamekeeper that you need to have been planning for. Mm-hmm. So that you could have tried to have some groceries out there in the field, like winter bulbs and sugar beets, you might still have the bulbs left, which right. are great sources of carbs. But I tell you what, it, it kind of breaks my heart to to think about. I mean, this time of year, we know how it is here, but you think about up north in Minnesota, it's time to feed, those places. And, you know, there's actually it's a little bit of green stuff around here, but they're just eating buds and sticks and stuff. But, yeah, up there where this big deer were adjacent, there's nothing it's up there tough. right now. It's, a, it's amazing that they can And the more we learn about these animals, the more we know that that consistent, you know, food source throughout the year is, is even if they're not growing antlers, it's what's going to make their fawning better, make everything better, and help them express their, you know, true potential. So I think it's a, a very important part. You know, I noticed. I noticed last week you've really stepped up your supplemental feeding game. Yeah, well, I, you know, I wanted to. You know, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, m- my intention was to just have an all-you-can-eat kind of scenario. Yeah, and just just try to help them because uh, the the couple of places that I have to hunt, there's no ag around them really. No, they're in. You're and, down and, in the uh, in the bottom. Yeah, and so so the, the, the you know. You can talk to 10 different biologists and get 10 different opinions about supplemental feeding, but I kind of feel like it's my personal feeling is I I think it can help. And I don't think that I'm going to, I don't think that I'm going to greatly enhance or influence antler growth, but I do feel like I can help keep the, keep those animals healthy through these stressful. There's no, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's got to be benefit overall herd health and overall herd health is going to result in bigger deer in a long-term scenario. So. It's a great thing to do, in my opinion. How do you prefer to do it? Now, you know, I guess we should preface this by every state has, you know, very specific laws on how you can and when mm-hmm. you can and and everything else. I guess depending on the species and the time of year. Yeah, you know, and there's so many very, uh, or so many uh, issues around this. I mean, CWD is an issue. No so doubt. you got to think about Communal feeding. So right. you've got to try to do this in a way that, you know, you don't want the feed to mold on the ground, right? Because you can end up creating an unhealthy situation. Um, some of the troughs that are out there, uh, you, you can 
my understanding is the the best way to do that would be to tr- to get on a schedule where you're actually disinfecting that trough, cleaning the trough every, every month or so. So, yeah, uh, I see a lot of guys do supplemental feed with troughs. Uh, this new Texas Trophy protein feeder that uh, that I got. Uh, how much how much feed does that thing hold? It holds twelve hundred pounds. <laughs> and. And like I, I, I didn't have enough money to fill yeah, it up. Yeah. <laughs> so you I can only a, afford to feed. I got about a third full, so I, I hope they don't eat too much in a hurry. And it's a gravity type feeder. It's a gravity with a with, with the these tubes, tubes on that it. come down. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, there's probably a chance that's. Uh, I mean, it, it's not that much different than a trough, but it, but it just but seems it, less it sloppy is. though. You know, yeah. it, would, it would seem like it would be. So I, I think somebody's thought this one through. I was really impressed with that feeder. Once I assembled it mm-hmm. and uh, got all the, the tubes assembled and just, just the, how durable it was and how easy it would be for them to feed out of it. Right. So, so do you think that's the, the healthiest option you have? Say there was no laws and regulations on how you could feed. Would you change what you were doing? I don't think so. I think that's how I, I, I think would do that's it. the right way to do it. I think that's the right way through a gravity fed tube protein feed to to gravity fed feeder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The main thing is, I, I would encourage people not to put it on the ground, right, at all. Yeah, and you know the like, there's corn you can buy that's that's alpha toxin free. Right, you just need to be smart about some of those kind of things. Be sure you're feeding a quality. Because I mean, Dudley, we've had these conversations as well. Is you know you. Is feeding turkeys a good or trying to hold turkeys in an area to is that a good or a bad thing? And you could be creating a scenario where the predators in that area learn, well, okay, every morning they're going to be right here. Right here. I'd I'd love to see more targeted studies done on those types of scenarios. And I kind of think, you know, the way they do it in Texas is, is, you know, a pretty good way to do it. I know, you know, everybody that's been hunting in Texas before and like, oh, they turn the feeder on in the front of the truck when they're driving to the stand. Um, but you know, you think about scattering that feed, I know it's on the ground, but scattering that feed out over a large area, uh, would seem to be a less likely chance of them, you know, being able to transmit communal diseases that mm-hmm. way. And you know, Texas is a little different cause it's so arid Yeah, and I don't think they have the humidity issues that we might. So your biggest fear with hitting the grounds at molding. Right. Yeah. 100%. And, and it will around here if you're not careful. Everything molds around here. Mm-hmm. A little humid from time to time. Mm-hmm. So, Dudley, down at your farm, have you done any supplemental feeding? Uh, well, honestly, uh, it's a big, bigger piece of property uh, than my budget handles. Uh, so I've got a couple of buddies that hunt with me. Um, my my kind of rule is uh, let's let's plug all the lowest holes in the buckets first before we do any supplemental feeding. It is an extra expense. Um, so... We do the food plots. We do the burning. We're shooting does. Uh, you know, doing some uh, stuff in our in our, you know, cutting down trees, creating little mini cutovers, and you know, weeds for them to eat on. Uh, and then when you can get to that, when you can get that accomplished, uh, I think I think that's when you can add the feeding to your program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just say it. There's there's folks out there that aren't doing the habitat work. And then they're spending extra money on feed when they should be putting um, it into the dirt. They should be putting it uh, into, you know, fertilizer, uh, clover seed, uh, doing some hack and squirt, you know, doing some fires. And then when you when you get to that point, then the next logical step is is to consider supplementation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
We we do a little bit of it. I'd, I'd like to do more. It's it's just a bigger piece of property, and it's harder to have all of that feed in different areas. Yeah, I mean, you got to go fill the feeders up. That um, is, you know, but like, that's a chore. Like where you are at the Ponderosa, it's it's just a perfect scenario. <laughs> it's a perfect scenario. You know, yeah. you go out there two or three times a week. You can put some feed in your feeder. Uh, you know, you've got that awesome food plot you created this year. You're doing your habitat work, killing your kudzu. Um, so I'm hoping with a, the, the size of this protein feeder, I don't have to feed it, every, fill it every weekend. God, you no. a hungry dude if you do. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm not going to be able to do that. Yeah. But you'll be able to, you know, uh, you can, your dough harvest, you know, all of that stuff comes into play and you can, you can manage that. I think one of the things, too, is I don't know this. I've always assumed this. One of the most important times to feed is when you're – it's after deer season, this time of year where everybody wants to feed, you know, during the season when the hunting opportunity is around. So I would say, you know, to your point, you know, now is the time to do it. You need to have the habitat work in place for the for the hunting season. And then, you know, really – uh, I think you can have a, a more positive effect with supplemental feeding starting this time of year throughout the next couple months mm-hmm. than you could, you know, feeding in October. So and I, I'll add to my comment, you know, a lot of people may lease land and they're not they're not allowed to do some of the habitat improvements they want to do. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so that's where you can really help your herd by supplemental, supplemental feeding. Right. If you're not allowed to, you know, hey, we need to thin these pines. Well, they won't lettuce right so, well I, you know i think that you know here and where we live in the deep south that that's the supplemental feeding is going to make sense in january february and march mm-hmm. till it starts greening up and i fully expect when it starts greening up for those deer to leave that supplement yeah they will they will but then i expect that they'll come back to it probably in the latter part of the summer when everything is kind of dry and rank and mm-hmm. woody mm-hmm. so they'll probably need it again then yep so so up north, you need to feed longer, probably, because I know they have to a bigger effect of winter kill. I'm sure supplemental feeding helps winter kill. You you would think, you know, yeah. those deer up there yard up. Um, but, I, you know, one of the things that I think is, is critically important, that if a, a guy up there starts a program, that he stick with it and right. not just stop in the middle of it, because I think that could probably do more damage than, it, than, than good. So. Yeah. All right. So what's the recipe, you think? I mean, what is best to feed? Is it a protein feed? Is it corn? Is it soybeans? I know full draw is a mix of of corn and roasted soybeans and protein pellets. So, do you is there certain levels of protein and certain stuff that you should look for in anything you feed? Well, I'm thinking that 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 BCP with the mm-hmm. corn, beans, and the protein pellet is the perfect thing to start them on. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's going to take a little corn to get them started eating on it, and then those roasted soybeans are super nutritious. And then that protein pellet is in there. So I think by, I think they they'll they'll go to the corn and then they'll learn to eat the other. So I guess and I get that nutrition. It would should I mean when you're feeding what there what should be the minimum protein level? I think 17 percent. percent is what you're looking for right in there. And then maybe some kind of vitamin package. A lot of that's all you know built in these days. And built these, into the pellet. These protein feeds. I mean they they look at everything. It's really high tech. It'll mm-hmm. have all the gut bacteria added right. in small amounts so you know it can help with their rumen health and it's, mm-hmm. it's what's interesting about deer is, is unlike a cow a deer he's just going to eat a little bit right. and then move on because he's balancing browser. his diet around a bunch of different things he's not just going to stand at that feeder and just and eat, eat a belly full and some individual deer will will take to that feeder more you know there's 
you know, it's documented where, you know, some deer won't even eat out of a feeder. Right. That's right. And they say some bucks are just totally suspicious of them the whole, their, all of their life. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's 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 interesting, and like I said when we started this, you ask ten different people, you're gonna get ten different opinions. Right. Yeah. Totally. I, I mean, just, just don't see how it can. Uh, it, it. I just feel like this time of year, it's got to help them. Oh, absolutely. If you do it right. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, no, I don't think anybody would argue that. So. All right. Well, uh, what about an Ask Dudley question? Do we have that thing keyed up, and ready to go? We do. <laughs> We've got a Ask Dudley. Uh, it's from Josh McDowell in Southern Virginia. He's in planting zone seven. And the question is, it's going to be a few years before I'm ready to plant my native nursery trees in their permanent place. Should I go ahead and purchase them along with tubes and pot them up until I'm ready? Good question, Josh. Um, and um, it was actually a little bit lengthier question that we narrowed down, you know, kind of paraphrased it. But uh, I get this question frequently, and I, I think it's very important. Um, this, uh, you know, our, our nursery, it, you know, we've kind of got a little system, and we, we ship these smaller seedlings that are very shippable, but they're also very transplantable. Um, but, you know, your scenario where you're really not wanting to put them in the ground for a few years, uh, I see your point. Normally, I try to tell folks to just go ahead and get them in the ground. Um, you know, when you're growing things in pots, you're adding risk. Um, you're also having to plant a bigger tree, so it's not as efficient. Uh, you know, you got to take more time to dig a bigger hole. Uh, you're likely to have to water it through the first summer at least uh, when you're planting bigger trees. So there, there's pros and cons to both. Um, if you do want to grow them in pots, um, Native nurseries, seedlings are a great place to start. Uh, in fact, we even have some nurseries buy mm -hmm. seedlings from us to pot up to yep. grow to resell. Sure um, but, you know, when you go to the beach for a week in the summer, you got to find somebody to water your seedlings. Um, you've got to test your water to make sure uh, the water doesn't have too much of, of things in there that can affect the growth. Uh, so there's a lot to it. Um most of the time, I'm going to say, just get our seedlings and put them straight in the ground. Uh, but in your scenario, if you want to pot them up and, and get bigger trees while you're waiting to find that dream property, go ahead and uh, give me a call and I'll help you get started. Good good question, Josh. Thank you, Mr. Norton. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, what did we learn today? Is there anything else we can pull out of this? I learned that there was a 240-inch freaking nine-point up in Ohio. That's mind-blowing to me. It, it was a nine-point a couple years ago. I think it regressed to an eight. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> so it measured 188 as an eight-point. Mm, that That's is, ridiculous. It really is. Yep. It's going to make Hercules look small. It really is. So let's get um, Mac. Let's let's get David McElwain to post a picture of Herman, this big buck, on our Instagram page, so people can go see it if they hadn't already. Seen I wonder it. if he's Herman Monster. I wonder if that's where you got that. Yeah, that's probably is. That's yeah. probably. That was, yeah. I meant to ask him that. So I've enjoyed it. Uh, anything else we need to do? Did we keep it under forty-five minutes? Well, we have kept it under. If we close within the next thirty seconds, we can make it out under an hour. Ah, so. oh, well, let's wait. <laughs> Just please, thirty more seconds. You don't have any country music, Hank Williams Jr. questions you can ask me. I don't. We'll go to that next don't, week. Don't, yeah. Well, let's get on out of here. Then. All right. Well, Dudley. Say bye, Dudley. Bye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Cleve. 
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine and don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.